To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> the word of God upon which we base our message this morning on this Thursday, Sunday after the Epiphany is the gospel for today from Matthew chapter 4. You heard it read before. I recall just these words. From that time, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, since they were fishermen. He said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who through the Holy Spirit and God's word cast the net of the gospel over us and caught us to be his children, my beloved. I think some of you know that uh, during my ministry I had the unusual opportunity <clears throat> to secure a business degree. And one of the uh, courses in a business school curriculum always is marketing. And marketing is a whole lot more than just advertising. In fact, our professor told us that an easy way to remember what marketing is is that it uh, involves five P's. Product, price, place, promotion, and people. And if you give your attention to all five of those P's, uh, it should result in a successful business. Want to start in the right place? Then set up a shop where there's a lot of people. Promotion. Develop a catchy advertising slogan that people remember. People, surround yourself with perhaps some powerful people of influence and affluence to help you start that building and maybe provide some uh, startup capital. Price, sell your product at a price that the market will bear and so that you can uh, gain as much income as possible. Product, Provide a service or a product that is attractive to people and a competitive with others who are providing the same thing. When Jesus began his ministry, which we read before, calling his disciples, he did the exact opposite of all human marketing standards. If there was a model according to human thinking, Jesus did the exact opposite. And yet, after two millennia, millions and billions and trillions and quadrillions and whatever the next number is of people lived and passed on into heaven through faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because you see, the expansion and the enlargement of God's kingdom is not a matter of human effort but a matter of God's grace. We want to take a look at those five Ps according to uh, 
Jesus model for ministry and see how Jesus dealt with the concepts of place, promotion, people, price, and product. First, the place. When Jesus heard that John was put into prison, he withdrew into Galilee. It also says, too, he left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, I think uh, as it gets uh, further into the year, we get to oh, maybe May and June. Sometimes we might start asking uh, one another, got any plans uh, for vacations this year? And uh, some of us might answer, well, not really, but uh, we're just going to go up north. Wherever that may be. Is that West Bend? Is that Appleton? Wausau, Rhinelander, Door County, Oconto Falls, Ashland, or Bayfield? That's sort of up north. But have you ever heard the names of these towns? Trout Creek, Matchwood, Watersmeet, Wakefield, Crystal Falls. You know where those towns are? Up in the UP. Sometimes we call those people Upers. I know one time my wife and I were driving through the Upper Peninsula on our way to a wedding, and we stopped in at one of the uh, knick-knack uh, stores, and there was a book for sale. It says, the UP, there's nothing up here. <laughs> no, really? That was the subtitle. If you had uh, a business plan, uh, you probably, and, and a good product order, you probably wouldn't want to start up in the UP because there's nothing there. You know what's kind of interesting? Jesus was a youper too. He should have, you would think, to a business model, stay down in Metro Jerusalem where all the people are. Instead, he goes up to Galilee, blue-collar, uneducated people. You might say it was Hicksville. It was the backwoods. Why start out there? Because of God's grace and mercy. In fact, in the Old Testament that we read today and which was uh, recalled in the gospel, it says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for the land that was in anguish. In former times, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will cause it to be glorious the way by the sea. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Zebulun and Naphtali, perhaps some of you remember, were two sons of Jacob. The descendants of Naphtali and Zebulun were given a piece of real estate in the promised land, and it was way up north. These two sections of territory were located on the northern border of God's land, and it was problematic up there because whenever the nation was attacked, they always attacked from the Fertile Crescent, and the first ones to get hit were Naphtali and Zebulun. And after a while, they were physically and spiritually exhausted. They were always the first to get the brunt of the battle. But God also made them recipients, the first recipients of the great light, Jesus Christ. Isn't that always the way that God works? 
He starts his ministry in seemingly insignificant and unlikely empty places, like the human heart, like your heart. And without any merit or effort on your part, God fills your empty heart with his grace and his mercy and his peace. Thank God that Jesus knows better than you and I do where to start his ministry. He transforms the insignificant and the empty into his precious children filled with his love and forgiveness. That's the place. How about the promotion? Well, they say that if you want to uh, succeed in uh, certain enterprises, you have to devise a, a nice catchy slogan. I mean, there's a ton of them that we've heard over the years. I'm loving it. Finger licking good. Where's the beef? Intel inside. The quicker picker upper. Jesus' promotional message repent, for the kingdom is near. His message there's something wrong with you, and it's got to get fixed. Because if it's not, there are going to be big problems. Just like his cousin John, Jesus tried to shake people out of their complacency to a recognition of their sinful disobedience and the need for a Savior. When Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, it was sort of like saying, call 911, there's an emergency. It's a matter of life and death. Recognize your condition, you need help. Because if you don't know what your condition is, you won't recognize your need for a Savior. And that was a message that always, and from the outset, didn't always make people feel real good, but it was a message that they needed to hear. And then there's the people portion of Jesus' model for ministry. The world says when you start up a, start up a business, uh, try to find some influential and affluential uh, people and um, give you a little startup capital, maybe some of their experience. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. To whom did Je with whom did Jesus uh, surround himself? Twelve men. Probably all youpers. Five fishermen, one tax collector, six other unknowns. Men pretty much laughed at by the cultural snobs down south in Jerusalem. But that's pretty much the way God always works throughout history. The members of the Corinthian congregation to whom uh, St. Paul wrote the epistle today, uh, the congregation was a mess. Congregational members were bickering with one another, dividing into factions, arguing, infighting, <clears throat> all sorts of divisions in the congregation, and St. Paul had to write to them and tell them to shape up. So he reminded them, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. St. Paul was reminding the members, 
cool it a little bit here. Be a little more humble. You know, when God first called you, you were not the movers and shakers of society. In the Old Testament reading for this morning, uh, from Isaiah, it reminds us how Midian was uh, conquered. Conquered by a man by the name of Gideon. There were 120,000 Midianite soldiers that wanted to, to plunder God's land. And so God said, Gideon, I want you to get an army together. So first of all, he got 32,000 men. Then God said, no, shrink that down to 22,000. Then he said, everybody who's afraid, go home. So then it shrunk down to 10,000. God said, that's still too many. So Gideon finally wound up with 300 men. 300 versus 120,000, and they still won. And how about that boy, that little boy who uh, barely reached puberty, who slew a nine-foot armored giant with one shot out of his slingshot? And if you take a look around our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, probably all around the world, I don't think there were any who ever became president of the United States. Maybe a senator or assemblyman or something here and there. Not many multi-billionaires. Just ordinary, everyday, average people. How about us, too? Beautiful Savior right here. Ordinary people called to be his disciples and messengers. Why did he choose us? Scripture gives us two accounts, first of all in Deuteronomy. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possessions. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because God the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers. 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Ordinary people chosen for extraordinary things. Chosen for the extraordinary privilege of following Jesus and the extraordinary task of taking the gospel to the world. And then there's the price. According to human standards, if you want to start a business, uh, you better have some capital. And uh, you better charge a fair price, but a uh, price that the market will bear so that you can get some income. How about Jesus' ministry? Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. 
those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Jesus had compassion, and he had power, and he didn't charge for it. To all those, and there were so many of them, who came with their physical ailments, with no modern technology, no medical means at his disposal, Jesus healed them instantaneously and completely and for free. I like to think that, you know, Jesus' miracles, why did he do that? Not only compassion on the people, but they were also his credentials. Because Jesus didn't carry a, a, around a driver's license or a social security number or a passport and say, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth Son of God. Instead, he proved his identity by doing things that only God could do. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see, and even those who still doubted his ability to deliver on the ultimate product, Jesus said, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your mat and go home? And the answer, of course, to that question is to do either. You'd, both have, you'd have to be God. So Jesus did both. He healed the guy and he forgave his sins. Which brings us to Jesus' product or his service. And unlike those services that are offered by Fortune 500 companies or those companies listed on the Dow Jones stock market, Jesus doesn't offer something that's just competitive with somebody else. He offers a commodity which is one of a kind. There is nothing else like it in the whole world, and it's so precious because without it you will die, but with it you will live, and you all know what it is, the forgiveness of sins. The miracle cure for the terminal effects of sin. And it's all for free. Because the price has already been paid. Jesus' precious blood on the cross. It's all for free. Because it's all paid for so that when you approach him, you say, Lord, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. What a ministry. What a model for ministry that Jesus gives to us. The place, the location of his ministry. First of all, a long time ago in Galilee, Today, in your heart, just think of that, through faith in Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, your body becomes God's temple. Promotion, still the same, unchanged through all the centuries. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. People, not many wise, not many influential, not many of noble birth, just you and me to whom God says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Price, his compassion and his power he still gives away for free as he does with his one-of-a-kind product or service, the commodity of forgiveness. What an unusual model for ministry and what a privilege to be part of it and all by the grace of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.